0: How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Golagoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Shoot for it, shoot for it. Uh, kind of like it. Richard throws it in front corner. Score! Well, well done, boy. Good. Here's some swagger. Push come to show we're gonna get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Thanks Web Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin, and I'm Diane Fan. It's been an awesome week for Kings fans. The Kings have won all of their games. That's amazing. When's the last time I was able to say that? I don't even know.
0: I was just excited for Kings hockey to be back, and then I I made my one my one request from last week's podcast was score three goals, just not per game, even just three goals, and they delivered like three times as much, and I am ecstatic.
1: Of course, the most surprising was them scoring six goals against the Colorado Avalanche. I was not expecting that at all, especially because they scored the first goal, and then they got down 2-1 before the first period ended. So it was like, all right, here we go. This is an uphill battle. They've been having trouble scoring (laughs) goals. And and then they tied it, um, but then they went down again, and it was like every time they went down, I was like, well, it's probably over, but then it wasn't. They kept coming back, and then they got the go ahead goal in the third period and managed to hang on to it. I was shocked. I'm not going to
0: lie. It's honestly horrible because it's giving me all sense of like, I don't know if it's going to be misplaced hope that, uh, because like before, every time you saw that the Kings were down two, it was like, well, this is just basically insurmountable odds right now because the Kings aren't going to score three goals to. to to win the game, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh yeah, we're a hockey team that can do this. And so now I have hope, and that is terrible. It was really hard after the
1: Colorado game to remind myself that this could possibly be just a freak accident or freak occurrence, rather than, oh, they've solved their scoring trouble. And the next two games, they they didn't obviously score six goals again, but... They had the two against the Calgary Flames, and then managed not to allow any power play goals, which is something they did. Which is what uh, was their problem against even the Avalanche, and then against the Hurricanes, they scored um, two goals and then an empty netter for three. Not bad. I mean, again, they like the two goals scored and the three goals scored weren't like vastly like outperforming what you expect from them in general, but to have all of those games like three consecutive games where they score goals rather than score some goals, get shut out, <laughs> which is what we were doing um at the end of February or sorry, the end of January. I was like, "Oh, it's a is it a new time? Can the Kings really, you know, make this last push really exciting and consistent? Maybe. I'm slightly more hopeful now.
0: Just slightly. Um, and I'm yeah. I'm fine. Like obviously, we're not gonna expect any more of the the six four games. But like the t- t- the T zero game, the three one game, is more along the Kings' speed. But before they were trying to do that, but also just kind of failing defensively um, and obviously offensively. Um, and things have kind of balanced out in the Kings' favor. It seems like this week, where they score the f- the few goals that they feel like they're gonna score, but then they collapse down. Very well, and obviously goaltending has been phenomenal. So Quickie's been great the last the two games that he was in. I mean, obviously Martin Jones let in four, but he had some spectacular saves, including that one on uh, Landeskog. But uh, yeah. Jonathan Quick has been solid.
1: Yeah, he came. He put up an awesome performance in the Olympics, and then it seems like he's come back and done a really great job. He was doing a really great job when he first came back from injury, and then, of course, the sk- the Kings scoring woes and then the power uh, play goals against were a problem for Quickie, um, just as they had been for, like, Martin Jones and even Ben Scrivens were having trouble. Martin Jones hadn't won. He'd only started... Four other times since his like amazing 8-0 start in the NHL, and but he hadn't gotten another win, so now he finally has another win Jonathan Quick came back from the Olympics playing really strong so the goaltending seems to be in a positive place and if the Kings, their shooting percentage over these last uh, four games dating back to that Columbus Blue Jackets game before the Olympics is at 12.6%, which is really high for them and may not stay there, but it is It will at least hopefully help their shooting percentage trend in the right direction and not be like abysmally low.
0: As long as as it's flirting like within a reasonable amount of league average, probably under, then that's fine. Like I'm not hoping for shooting for the stars here. And of
1: course, again, like that six goal six goal scored game is pushing that shooting percentage way up right now for this like very very small sample size of games. But yeah, like as long as they sort of keep scoring fairly consistently, it could be really positive. They have 20 more games left until the end of the regular season. Before we move on, take a minute to pause and just let you know what their actual record is. It is 34-22-6. They're still third in the Pacific Division, and they've put a little more cushion between them and the Canucks, and the uh, Phoenix Coyotes. So not really quite in the same panic mode or near panic mode that the Kings and Kings fans might have been in coming back from the Olympic break, where it was like they've managed to just hold on and hopefully they can, you know, keep doing positive things. Andre Kopitar is still the points leader. He has 51 points. He's got 19 goals and 32 assists. He has been amazing. The last few weeks, even when the rest of the Kings were obviously struggling, Kopitar still managed to do some pretty great things because he is, that's just what he does. Jeff Carter is still the leading goal scorer um, with 21 goals. He also, it's different from last season, though, where it was like, Jeff Carter, goals upon goals and no assists because he actually has a lot of assists um, in, in comparison to last season. He has 18, so... Those two people doing a great job, but I think really kind of the story, I guess if you want to say it that way, is Dustin Brown and Mike Richards having a little more production in these last few games when they've been pretty quiet this season. They're both having like career lows in points
0: production and whatnot, but
1: they've been doing pretty good the last few games. I have been (laughs) pleasantly surprised by both of them.
0: I'm just surprised that we haven't had to yell at Mike Richards for looking like absolute garbage. It's been it it good. was baf- it was baffling what was going on with him. So I'm glad that he's like scoring goals again. I was shocked. I was in
1: fact in the middle of talking crap about him on Twitter and then he scored a goal. And so I was like, "Oh, I guess for the moment I have to shut up."
0: <laughs> for the moment.
1: <laughs> Yeah, just for now. We'll see if that continues. But he had an assist in the Blue Jackets game before the Olympics. And then he had an assist in the Colorado game. And then of course, as I just mentioned, there was the goal versus Carolina, which got the scoring started and was very surprising for me. And it was a really sharp angle shot kind of weird, but a credit to Robin Regeer, too, for seeing that Mike Richards had a little bit of room and giving him the puck, and then Mike Richards actually managed to put it on net instead of falling down or turning it over. So, great job. Did
0: it Did it just physically pain you to say credit to Robin Regeer? <laughs> yeah, it
1: did a little bit.
0: <laughs> because <But, laughs> I assume that it did. <laughs> I mean, Robin Regeer, we're living in an era
1: where uh, Robin Regeer has a hot stick. Unfortunately for Robin Regeer, that still includes him sometimes scoring for the other team, though. But uh, but also some some King contributing to King's goals and getting a couple of his own, so I will credit him where it's due.
0: In defense against the Sakar goal, at least it wasn't like the Brent Seabrook goal from the outdoor game yesterday, oh, which was yeah. just a straight bat into the net.
1: <laughs> yeah, Brent Seabrook was actually the one to go full Robin Regeer in the last few days, so yeah. <laughs> um, at least it wasn't that terrible. And like yeah, and even on that goal against in the Carolina game. He was trying to bat it out of the air. He just kind of missed a little bit and it ended up being a goal against. In his post game, even Jonathan Quick defended him and said, you know, he did a lot of good things during that game. I am always highly critical of Robin McGeer because he has had trouble on this team, but he, he wasn't the worst.
0: I always pat him on the head like he's like a three-legged dog or something.
1: <laughs> I put it in my recap of the Colorado game, but uh, when he comes back to the bench after scoring his goal, and like Jonathan Quick like pats him on his shoulders, that's that's generally like my mental image of what I think of you like patting Robert <laughs> Regeer like, "Oh, good job." <laughs>
0: You did Basically, well. that, that's essentially me. Yes, that's <laughs> accurate.
1: So it was, it was amusing to me, that whole thing. Uh, for Dustin Brown, who has also been productive, he had an assist versus the Avalanche, and he had a goal and an assist versus the Calgary, so he was involved in both of the goals in that game, and then he had one assist against Carolina. The goal and assist in the Calgary game, apparently, is the most productive Dustin Brown has been on the road at all this season. <laughs> which is amazing just to like highlight the trouble that he has had this season. So I guess he is also living in a streaky hot time in this season and maybe that should continue as well.
0: I think about it and it's so baffling how so many of the players are on like a terrible streak or like have been just kind of garbage this season. Like it's their lowest producing season, you know. They're not scoring as much as they they should be. Um I cannot believe that Trevor Lewis missed that empty net. Oh, I can't. It's Trevor Lewis, and you're not in Utah. I, I'm not even surprised. I mean, I both can't believe it, and is just at least this season so Trevor Lewis typical. Yeah, that I just cackled. It's yeah, it's um, been rough. for But me. yeah, apparently there's a, p- a plague upon Kings players in terms of having their worst years because it's so many of them. Mm-hmm. But still, still the qu- the Kings hang on and squeak by.
1: Yeah, they managed to. their... I mean, and also to. I guess just even put that a little bit in perspective. Tyler Dello did this post recently about depth, seeing which teams were really balanced and which teams, based on depth, he thought ha- actually had like a chance at the cup. And the method that he used was like looking for players who don't play together and sort of having them represent two different lines. So for like the two top lines, he did Kopitar and Richards. Um, I can't remember what he did for the bottom two, the third and fourth lines for the for like the Kings or other teams. But but it actually. I was surprised looking at those graphs, and again, because it's based on individual players sort of representing a line and the Kings lines have moved around a bit, it's not entirely representative, but it gives you an idea. I was surprised to see how much, even with the Kings scoring trouble, how it was a little more evenly spread than I imagined, because I feel like... The Kings' bottom six have had trouble producing, but especially when they've juggled players around a little bit, it's actually a little more, a little more balanced than I thought or would have guessed. I think it also just highlights that the Kings have just been having an unlucky run for a lot of guys, and hopefully they're all sort of coming on at the same moment, or if they all you know find that groove again around the same moment, they could have a really good end to the regular season and a stronger postseason than I would have predicted like two months ago.
0: Fingers crossed, man. I once again, I am very wary of this optimistic hope that I have, and I want them to not blow it.
1: Yeah, same. Agreed. But, and then also, even as much as I've talked about, like, better production out of people like Dustin Brown and Mike Richards, again... Just calling back to Andre Kopitar, he has had eight points in his last five games. Those guys have done good, but they still got to catch up. Right now, Andre Kopitar is the only player on the team with more than 50 points.
0: Andre Kopitar at number one with 51 points, and Jeff Carter trailing at number two with 39. So that is quite a gap. Yeah, so if everybody could just, you know, elevate
1: as we get into the home stretch and then head into the postseason please. Oh, quick thing, because I just want to mention this because I think it's nice. The Colorado game was also Dustin Brown's 700 game as a king. He has been part of the Kings franchise for a very long time. He is the 7th in franchise games played. Only 6 more people have played more games as a king than him, which is also interesting.
0: Well, it's nice actually, uh, just to see people stick with the Kings. You know, there's, there's people that you have a feeling are going to be Kings for life, and I'm hoping that Dustin Brown is one of them. Mhm. Same. I know a lot of people have been critical of him and on Twitter every time
1: it's like somebody needs to be traded especially because his points production has been so low this season. A lot of people are like, "Would they trade Dustin Brown?" And I do want Dustin Brown to do a lot better, but I don't I don't want to see him traded. I want him to do better with the Kings.
0: Yeah. Oh no. I, almost everyone I know basically hates Dustin Brown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see him do well with the Kings and stay with the Kings. I'd also like Kopitar to be shackled to the Kings forever. Yeah, so let's just make um, that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Jonathan Quick has a Kings tattoo, so he could he should probably yeah, just stay.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really weird if he goes anywhere else
0: <laughs> with his Kings tattoo. It's like having your ex-wife's name tattooed on your body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or it's like Johnny Depp who uh, had I Love Winona and changed it to like, I Heart Wino or something. Yeah, right. I think with... Quick, at least to his advantage, he actually won a cup
1: with the King. So at least it's like, it could always be like, well, it's just a memory of a great point or period in my career. But it's still kind of weird to have another team sort of branded on you if you end up anywhere else. But uh, yeah, yeah, I want Dustin Brown to stick around. I want him to produce more. I never can deny, like, lack of production this season or whatever. He could be doing more. But again, I want him to do more with this team, not with another one speaking of things that the kings need to improve first first of all so dating back to the Game before the Olympic break, they've won four consecutive games. Not including that game, they've now got three in a row. They haven't won three games in a row since like mid to late December. So it was rough. We all know we lived through it and it sucked. But this is now a good patch. But but it's not perfect because as we mentioned with the Colorado game, they allowed three power play goals, which is terrible. The penalty kill for a long time was like propped, was propping them up, kind of because they were still sort of allowing key power play goals against that would like change the nature of a game or probably cost them a few games, including like that first game early in the season against Calgary. Now it's becoming a little more apparent that it's slipping. They're now 11th in the league on the penalty kill, which is not obviously not the absolute worst, but I think you can clearly see like the Kings have a lot of trouble clearing the puck. One of their (laughs) penalty kills in these last three games, they spent the entire two minutes uh, in their zone and it was just one penalty kill unit on the whole time because they couldn't get control of it. That's ridiculous. You can't have that. You can't kill penalties that way. That's awful.
0: I always, uh, play the drinking game where, uh, you Drink every time Bob Miller says they still haven't cleared the puck mm-hmm. or they didn't manage to clear the puck, yeah, or what have you. It and is it's, um, up,
1: but not out,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. The worst phrase I, w- I don't want him to ever have to say it again, but he says
1: it a lot,
0: he says it so much. It's a very drunk two minutes,
1: mm-hmm. so they got to figure that out. The power play, as we know, still embarrassing, even though they've managed to get a couple power play goals, which is impressive. They've been scored by Andre Kobitar and Alec Martinez. And that's great, Martinez. More Martinez, always. I think he should be on in the the lineup all the time. I love Alec Martinez. Me too. At the end of the Carolina game yesterday, he was going up the line and like high fiving everybody and just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He (laughs) seems very excited when he's on the ice. He's he's you know been pretty. He's had some mistakes like like everybody's had some mistakes this season, but he's also I think really good when he's on out there and. I wish I want more Alec Martinez, more of him. Don't trade him, which I feel like is always a possibility. And so it feels like every time the Kings play and Martinez plays, like every day that he sticks around with
0: this team, it feels like a gift. We just have to celebrate every day that we get to still keep Martinez. <laughs> yeah, cherish Martinez. Keep keep those days close and, and near and dear to your heart.
1: <laughs> it's, oh man, that's so sad. <laughs> I know
0: it is. I love Martinez. Don't leave,
1: don't leave us. Uh, I guess, I mean, I guess we should then talk about trades. I I don't have a whole lot to say about people who could come to the Kings because I think nothing seems super definite. The closest things to definite were mentioned, like we've mentioned before, and that's Andrew McDonald from the Islanders is still a possibility. Sam Gagne was on the table, then off the table, but could potentially be on the table again at some point, depending on what happened at the last minute, according to Mayor's Manor, who put out a really long, involved post about trade options for the Kings and what they would probably give up. Said that Edmonton changed at the last minute and won a prospect instead of a pick for the retaining salary, retaining some of Gagne's salary. So that deal could still happen, but maybe not. And otherwise, there's just a lot of speculation around other people who might come to the team. So I can't focus on that. But I do want to talk about people who would potentially be leaving. Namely, one that I'll be very sad about, Justin Williams. It is. I'm not okay with this. I would be so upset. Diana and I, we were hanging out earlier this week. We literally like right before she dropped me off, we were talking about how great Justin Williams is and how he needs more love everywhere all the time. So I don't want him to leave the Kings. It makes me really sad to think about him leaving the Kings. But according to John Hoven, probably a guy who if he doesn't go at the trade deadline, will go during the summer.
0: No, don't do that. Take stole. <laughs> yeah. Take him. A- That's what I feel, too. I mean,
1: Jared Stoll is good. And and like in this last game, especially he was playing like a dude who didn't want to be traded. But I think the problem is of Stoll and Williams. Williams is the one who already has a replacement. That is Tyler Toffoli, who I also adore. So I hate this.
0: I don't, like, you were like, let's talk about trades, and I was just like, no, let's not talk (laughs) about trades, because it makes me unhappy.
1: (laughs) Let's not acknowledge them at all. But yeah, I think that would, of anybody who goes, of all of the names who have been mentioned who could potentially go, whether at the deadline or in the summer, I would be the most upset about Justin Williams, even though I get the
0: logic behind it. I would miss Justin Williams terribly. The other names that
1: were mentioned to go were Kyle Clifford, who, if you remember, was being shopped during this past summer and was going to be a piece in the trade for Sam Gagne, and that could still happen, or he could go somewhere else. Another person who, if he doesn't go at the deadline, will probably go in the summer because he's got another year on his contract and he his hit is like just over a million dollars or something. Um, an attractive piece, I think. I think the one thing sort of hampering any trade of Kyle Clifford is that he takes a lot of penalties. But otherwise a pretty okay piece to trade. Um, And then the other thing is Matt Green, who is an unrestricted free agent. And according to this Mayor's Manor article, they didn't even start contract negotiations with Green before the season started. Of course, the problem though with Matt Green is that he's got injury history. The last few seasons, he's had some trouble, so trading him might be tough. He probably won't be traded, I don't think, because they really still like him and think he could be valuable in a playoff run, but it's not looking good for him re-signing in the summer at this point.
0: Which I'm fine with. I do like I do like Matt Green, and I do think that he can uh, bring a lot to the table, but he is one of those players that does have, I mean, he cannot stay healthy. He's got a lot of injuries, and we can always, sorry to say, we can always find someone else. Yeah. And
1: I think that would be what the McDonald trade, what they're sort of trying to replace there is get basically like a younger model, younger model of Matt Green uh, and a cheaper model. But does it have to be McDonald's? I I don't want it to be. I think the, I honestly think the only thing that's super attractive to a lot of GMs about McDonald is that his cap hit is half a million
0: dollars. But isn't that for a reason? Yeah.
1: Like, he sucks?
0: <laughs> I, yes. I assume so. Uh, Well, see, this is why I don't like talking about trades. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so Matt Green, questionable future with the Kings. And of the top prospects, everybody knows that the Kings' top three prospects are Tofoli, Pearson and Vey. They're all up with the club right now. Uh, Daryl Sutter has said he's basically, for the rest of the season, going to try to rotate them all in and out until one of them just clearly displays that he wants that spot on the roster all the time. Of the three of them, Toffoli is the untouchable. The Kings are not trading Tyler Toffoli. Between Pearson and Vey, it is more likely... Again, according to this Mayor's mayor article, that they would be traded because the Kings are so thin at left wing. It's not impossible that they would trade Pearson, but just less likely because they need more guys who play that position, which makes me sad. I do like, I think Lyndon Vey has so much potential, it would suck to see him go, but I get it at the same time. I've yet to be so attached to them that I would cry
0: if they left. Except for Toffoli,
1: yeah, agreed. Like I would be bummed just because, like I said, I think like someone like Vay has so much potential as a center, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't gut me if if he was traded. But uh, we'll see. The Kings could also not make any major moves at the trade deadline. Yeah,
0: I was I was listening to Sean O'Donnell talk about it yesterday with uh, with Patrick O'Neill, and he was basically saying that. The, like that they think that they can kind of do it with the team that they've got now. There might be a small trade, mm-hmm. not like one of the big blockbuster ones that uh you know, we'll get to later. Uh just some like tweaking here and there. So it might not be anything to like rock anyone's world. Yeah. But with kind of cycling out the the prospects and and kind of essentially just getting their shit together is more along their speed. But who knows? Which I think is
1: fine. Like I would be totally fine with them making another run in the playoffs with the guys that they have now, and I don't necessarily expect them to win the cup with this roster unless suddenly, like I mentioned earlier, everybody just gets hot right at the same time, reminiscent of the 2012 run. Barring that, I think it's fine if they make like a decent push in the playoffs and then management takes some time to really think about what pieces they want and whatnot and make all of those moves in the summertime. That would be fine to me. I'm cool with it.
0: I'd be fine with that too. Although it would be hilarious for all of the like talking that everyone's done about it for literally nothing to happen.
1: I feel like the trade deadline is never as active as people anticipate. I feel like this one will necessarily be the same. We already like a lot of Teams haven't really made any moves except for the one big move that everybody talked about, which we will talk about in a little bit. But yeah, I don't, I don't expect a whole lot to happen. But if uh, if it does, I just hope yeah. it is a smart move and not a stupid um, one.
0: Well, since we're skirting around it so much, we might as well just go right into our our five yeah. minute majors. Let's go. Big hit and down. I'm not sure he's okay. Uh, there's no question that this one's a penalty. Nadelarts five minutes Major penalty power play for the Kings. And obviously, the banner moment um, for this trade deadline was a huge trade between the Sabres and St. Louis Blues. Uh, Ryan Miller and Steve Ott leave the Sabres in exchange for quite a few members and future members of the Blues, Yaroslav Halak, Chris Stewart, William Carrier, a first rounder in 2015 and a third round pick in 2016. Holy shit, man! Yeah,
1: that's a lot of movement.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, the Sabers apparently are never going to keep a captain. Nope. Um, since Steve Ott was their captain and uh, is now promptly traded. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan Miller is suddenly terrifying um, yeah. because he—I mean, he was always terrifying. Obviously, he's a very um, like great goalie, and he was great in the Olympic Games and blah blah whatever. But on the Sabers, he was just kind of a, you know, big fish in a little pond, and you didn't really have to worry about facing him much ever. But now that he's on the Blues, who's been this like offensive juggernaut all of a sudden this season, and combined and like their def- their defense is solid, and now combined with this uh, vaguely godlike goalie, I'm maybe a little bit terrified. I am excited,
1: weirdly. I and a lot of people have disagreed with this trade because if you look at the career numbers, Ryan Miller is actually slightly under Halak. Halak's career save percentage is 917 and Miller's is 916. People are like, "Look at that. He's like not amazing." But I think that doesn't matter cuz we're talking about this season. And this season, the St. Louis Blues are second in goals per game. Ryan Miller has a 923 save percentage so far. So If those things keep up and like, you know, it's the Blues, maybe they will get cold or whatever it happens. They can be, like any team, pretty streaky. But if they keep that general like goals per game up and they have like the third-ranked penalty kill and a a decent but not super amazing power play, but way better than a team like the Kings, for instance. You know, now they have this goalie that's doing really well this season. I think they have a pretty good shot. And then for me, the other thing, and for, I, I would assume it's, you know, a lot of people are using the same bar here, you want the only, the teams that have a chance of the Cup this year is a team that can beat the Chicago Blackhawks. And the St. Louis Blues, so far in this regular season, have beat the Blackhawks in every game they've played against them. So... I think they have a shot at the cup, and I think that is exciting for that team. I'm not necessarily excited if somehow the Kings turn into a tire fire at the end of the season and end up facing the Blues in the first round again, because I don't think it'll go well for Los Angeles this time, but I am excited to see how the Blues do match up to the competition of the Blackhawks, and if they can make it to the final. I think it would be fun.
0: I think it would be crazy exciting. Um, The Blues have looked great. I've loved watching the games that they've played, especially against the Blackhawks. Yeah, me too. And this was, uh, I think it was a great trade for them. hmm I think I- it seriously puts them into, not that they weren't in serious contention before, but it kind of fills the holes that they perceived that they had. Yeah. So, I it's, it's real cool. I'm really excited for it. And props to the Sabres for going all out, because they were just like, you know, this is a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, we're in a rebuild, some like big players have to go like it obviously wasn't working before, so that'll be interesting to see what will happen with the Sabres as well because Miller was always kind of their big their big piece there to kind of draw people in, uh, yeah, I think this trade does they're
1: definitely now committed to rebuilding the team with the coaching changes and the changes in the management office and whatnot. They're going full rebuild now, and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for them over the next few seasons. In the meantime, the the Blues could could upset some people. I have sort of joked that when the Kings get knocked out in the first round, I will be a Blues fan. Capital letter, Blues Fan. And uh, that will continue (laughs) now. So sorry, everybody, but it's gonna happen. That's not the only trade news, though. And actually, that was probably... With the trade deadline and talking about how it it is never as crazy as people expect it to be, I think that, the Miller trade, was sort of the big thing people were watching, and it's already happened. But, coming back from the Olympics, we have some people who have requested trades and have potentially made the deadline interesting again, at least given it a couple highlights, and that is St. Louis, Martin St. Louis, has requested a trade out of Tampa Bay. I thought that was hilarious because... When he was left off of the team uh, originally, and then they had to find a replacement for Stamkos, Mike Milbury said, if I was St. Louis, I would request a trade out of Tampa if Iserman doesn't put him, you know, for not putting him on the team. Even though Iserman did pick St. Louis to replace Stamkos, he has apparently actually requested a trade anyway, (laughs) and he wants out of Tampa Bay, but he only wants to go to the Rangers, so we'll see if, if that happens. So, and then the other piece that was surprising for people and also slightly hilarious, Ryan Kessler wants out of
0: Vancouver. So many people want out of- so many people want out of Vancouver at this point. I- I don't blame them. It seems like it's going down. Well, they tried so hard for so long to- I mean, obviously, they've- the Canucks have made it to the postseason, have made it to the final, and they've tried so long with the team that they have to win a Stanley Cup. And at this point, this roster is getting a little bit long in the tooth in terms of their potential for winning the Stanley Cup. Like Obviously, something is not working, something is not clicking, and now a bunch of them aren't necessarily in their prime. So I feel like a lot of these guys, like Kessler, who obviously have a lot to bring to the table, um, are ready to kind of jump ship and find somewhere else that they could fit in and, and win a cup because the thing with Vancouver ain't working. Uh, yeah. They've really only had a few more years of of you know trying this team out. Obviously, they wanted to win with like the Sedin's and Burrows and Kessler and Luongo and you know whatever, but it it obviously ain't working. So I feel like everyone kind of feels like this you know this chapter of the Canucks is kind of over. And so whether they start wheeling and dealing their big players or people are asking to leave uh, is kind of to be expected at this point. I thought it was kind of
1: funny because his agent then said that, no, he didn't request a trade. But then there were other reports saying that while he was at the Olympics, he was pretty much telling anybody who would listen that he was done with Vancouver and he wanted out of there. And so, like in my mind, I just imagine Ryan Kessler going around and basically like mentioning it, mentioning it so to other guys and being like, "So
0: you know, put in a good word for me with your GM, <laughs> pass it along because we need to make pass it along happen. that I want to get out of <laughs> yeah. there, and uh, we'll see what what can happen.
1: <laughs> because he's still a good player and he brings a lot to a team, he will. Pull a pretty big return, I imagine. A team rumored to be really, really interested are the Pittsburgh Penguins want Ryan Kessler and have offered up a whole lot for him, including picks and players, I think, including possibly Brandon Sutter and a lot. And I actually don't get why the Penguins would want him so bad. I think they have a lot of top six strength And they actually need depth guys. And it seems weird to overpay for Ryan Kessler to play on your third line.
0: Yeah, that's true. Maybe they're just um, getting insurance for the fact that no one is healthy on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everyone is injured at this point. So it's like, well, he'll pay on the third line. But, you know, probably in two weeks when uh, someone breaks their arm or their leg or their jaw or what have you, um, he can get shifted on up. So who knows? I, I I do like the I will not necessarily
1: like, but I am entertained by the fact that it seems to still be true that the Penguins like clearly made a deal with some dark force and are now you know allowing themselves to be injured in exchange for Sidney Crosby to have a healthy full eighty-two game season.
0: Oh, for sure, <laughs> they've made a deal with a demon, and it's like just spread the injuries around please don't do it like all at once or like at super inopportune times. Uh, just keep Sidney Crosby healthy. Like Obviously Paul Martin broke his leg but was okay for a few games of the Olympics, and then b- broke his arm, or his wrist, or whatever he broke, and Sidney Crosby stayed healthy to win that gold medal. A ton of people have been out for, like, Bo Bennett I assume is dead. Uh, <laughs> if he wasn't tweeting, I would just assume he was gone.
1: It just disappeared into the ether. Yeah, the tweets are the only way I know that Bo Bennett is still living.
0: Which side note, strong tweet game, Bo Bennett. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good ol- a good old California boy.
1: He's been doing well. He's been doing well. I'm, I've been uh, a little impressed by his timing, too, on Twitter. Good job. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about the injury thing so much. So I guess that could be part of it. Um I, I do think though that they should probably go with like more depth guys because I think that was even sort of apparent like in their game against the Blackhawks. They need a more balanced team because I feel like the thing with the, the pens is every time they don't perform well as a team then people sort of focus on oh well, like Crosby didn't put up any points or like Malkin didn't put up any points or James Neal didn't put up any points. And so it's like a lot of pressure on two lines. Sometimes other people produce sometimes. I think I think actually they have probably my favorite non Kings rookie uh, in the league right now. Olimata. That's Bob Mata, who's great. Yeah, he's, g- he's great. But they, they he can't do it himself. They need more they need more depth, I think, that team.
0: I agree. I don't even know who's on their third and fourth lines. I mean yes I do, but no one ever mentions them. Right, yeah. And it, yeah. Because I don't listen to Root Sports. Root <laughs> right, Root Sports is terrible.
1: They're the worst. Every time I watch a a game and you know look at the Root Sports feed, it's like the worst. They are terrible homers. It's awful. But but yeah, that I do think as a team they're really interesting. Here is something because we were talking about like the Vancouver and their window closing is. If they don't fix like their depth issues or whatever, the possibility the Pittsburgh's window could close, and then you ha- will have like wasted people like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin because you don't have enough support for them. Which I I forget where I first heard that, but I thought it was a really interesting some interesting commentary because I hadn't thought about that either. That'd be so sad. <laughs> yeah, to have players like that and be like mm, one Stanley Cup—that's all you got because you didn't really do a good enough job. So get it together, Ray Shiro. Let's see. Uh, but back to Vancouver and this is not necessarily about a trade, but just some scandal, they apparently have another goalie controversy. Because they love those.
0: It's not a goalie controversy anymore, it's just a shitting on Luongo controversy.
1: I think that's fair to say, too. Everybody thought, Luongo probably thought, that he would get the start. But no! Surprise! They're giving it to Eddie Leck. That's
0: shitty. That's... I think that's so terrible. I mean, I don't have any particular super fondness for Luongo. Like I mean, obviously he's been an okay sport at this whole deal, his Twitter game is fun. But like, come on, you guys. Like I know that Lack has been good and he's been good in these past few games. But Luongo just came back from winning a gold medal. He's been with your organization and has dealt with this like trade nonsense for all this time. He it's it's the one it's the one shining beacon that he has had in this season. Mm-hmm. um, to look forward to, and it is ripped away from him, because Eddie Lack is starting. Like, like, yeah. seriously, you guys, why? Eddie Lack has a career, like, has plenty of career left in him, you know? And, but Luongo, like, why wouldn't you just start Luongo? And he's the better, yeah. oh my gosh, that's terrible.
1: Yeah, I just don't understand it. I think the only thing that people have pointed out is that Lack Technically, right now has the better save percentage. He's he's at a, a nine thirty five. Wang was nine twenty four. But it's not like nine twenty four is bad. And like you said, when you've been looking forward to it, he's been looking forward to it all season, and he just won a gold medal. Just give the dude the start. I don't see why that's so hard.
0: That'd be like starting Corey Schneider over like Marty Brodeur. With that would uh, Corey Schneider over Brodeur would
1: be much more understandable? I think. Actually. Well,
0: yeah, that's true. But, but I uh, mean, in in terms of the whole. Uh, like vet versus new guy, kind yeah, of sure. deal. It's like, come on, come on, guys.
1: Uh, not that it super matters to me. I'm probably not going to watch this heritage classic game because I don't know. I don't care. Outdoor games, whatever. The one yesterday ended up being kind of boring because the penguins weren't really playing very well, so it wasn't competitive, which was what I wanted to see.
0: Yeah, to be perfectly honest, like everyone was talking about it before um, about there just being a preponderance of of outdoor games to kind of uh, water down the special the specialness of it, since it's usually just the winter classic. Um, And I was like, oh no, it's totally fine, because I was totally homering for the fact that the Kings and the Ducks had the outdoor game. And I was like, no, it's fine, this is great, everyone gets outdoor hockey, have fun. I am bored of them now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, like, tired of them, and they are essential. okay. This is 100% gonna be all like LA, California love. Um, (laughs) Because California's was so different and it brought so many other things to the table. um, And I love that it showcased hockey. Like it showcased hockey and it showcased hockey in California. And it had like, and you know, it had ideal weather conditions, I'm gonna say. And like everything else has just been like snowy and boring. And it's like, oh good, it's out da- outside. This is the way it's meant to be played. Freezing your ass off and uh, having to shovel every two seconds because there's literal snowbanks on the ice. Um, no, that is not how it's meant to be played. I am now tired of it.
1: I think one of the uh, things that I read a lot before the Stadium Series game started was obviously the dilution thing, but even more than that, it makes it a little more about you know excitement for the local fans. And I'm, I'm f- fine with that. I think that's actually totally cool. So I would be fine with like another stadium series, whatever. But, um, you know, just as a person who watches hockey, like, yeah, if if you're if you're somebody who's already plugged into the NHL, and you know, it's not a game that's for your local team, it it does feel kind of exhausting, especially if you have games like the one yesterday, which is not very competitive. And, and, you know, not to, totally harp on just that, because remember, the Kings got shut out in their game, which wasn't very competitive of them either. Uh, but I did think the thing that the California game did have going for it, like you said, was the uniqueness of the atmosphere. And and also, I'm just going to say the best intro of the stadium series still remains the Vince Gully one. That's just the truth. You can't argue with it. It's accurate. They do all kind of mimic the winter classic, with the exception of the one that was in beautiful California sorry other people you're not as cool
0: <laughs> basically that's all I'm saying I just I wanted to put it on record that California is yeah. the best um, obviously <laughs> we know how to do outdoor hockey yeah everyone I will forever love everyone watching like when we watched um, or when I watched the the winter Classic I was just like I'm sitting on a balcony um, in the sunshine watching this while everyone freezes their asses off. And then everyone uh, watching yesterday's game being like, oh, yeah, I did have to wear like a windbreaker near the end of the Kings Ducks game while everyone in uh, Chicago is getting snowed on.
1: And meanwhile, it was like mid 60s for like at the end of that Kings game. And I was like, oh, it's (laughs) chilly. So super privileged, but that's fine because Southern California is better than wherever other people live. That's so. That's uh, accurate. That's very
0: accurate. <laughs> Although I do hope that San Jose gets a game that I can go to. Yeah, next that year. Would,
1: I think that would be fun. Yeah, I would. I would totally go to that. That would be exciting. It will be colder than Southern California slightly, but still fun.
0: I think. But still not dumping snow.
1: I think that's most of what we have i i have one last thing that i want to say before we wrap up just because it it is a personal pet peeve and i'm tired of hearing it good
0: because i have i have words about it too
1: (laughs) (laughs) especially after last night's game i never want to hear again that jonathan tames is an underrated nhl player he's not he's on the radar people love him he is like the winningest person on a team in nhl hockey right now
0: um, when you He's when you had told me that that uh, you had heard that, I was just like, "Who the hell are you listening to that would think that J- that Jonathan <laughs> Taves is underrated? Like someone who's been on the cover of that many magazines on a team that's won the Stanley Cup twice in the last couple of years was named the fucking Conn Smythe winner. Seriously, has won two gold medals. Uh, was like cu- underrated? Are you kidding me?" And it's not like he's playing in the, on the in the Panthers and is, like, the one lone great person. Like, it's Chicago.
1: Come on. Yeah, he's playing on the most popular team in the league right now in terms of, like, you know, media just, like, kissing their asses. Everybody loves the Chicago Blackhawks. Which, whatever. The place I heard it most recently that made me think of it again was I was listening to West Coast Bias and uh, John Hoven was talking to James Duthie? Duthie? I can't remember how you pronounce the last name. But anyway, they were talking about it. But it's not the only place. Like, I read a few things earlier in the season, including a piece by Adam Proto that was like, people always talk about Alexander Ovechkin and Jonathan, I mean, and uh, Sidney Crosby, but not Jonathan Taves, who was one of the best players in the world. And you know what? People do talk about Jonathan Taves. It is a fallacy that he is underrated. Everybody knows about him. So that's my personal pet peeve with the media. Please never say it anywhere again.
0: I'm like He's honestly not shocked by it. I'm like, what media are you guys reading? Like, uh, what medium I reading that I am constantly listening to the fact that Jonathan T- like what are you talking about Sydney I always hear it in that three Sydney Crosby Alexander Ovechkin Jonathan Taves always
1: and then like briefly last year like Patrick Kane was part of that because he had like a great 2013 he's kind of cooled off right now at this moment but people talk about him too like those people know about those two players they know about him they know about him. Baffling. That's, I just wanted to mention that. But um, that's all I have to say about the NHL for this week, I think.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think that's a great place to end. I, I agree.
1: See you guys, or talk to you guys, next week. As always, on Twitter, we are at ThanksBud, or individually, I am at ChanelBerlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And you can listen to us on iTunes, if you're not already, or Stitcher, if you're not already and prefer that. Oh, we are starting, and I posted the first thing, California Craves Hockey series, basically about we want to talk to other fans who love hockey in California and tell their stories because we find them very fascinating and we like talking to people about hockey. So the first one was a piece I wrote about uh, Diane and I going to see NASA's uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Their science is having a hockey team. If you haven't read it, check it out. Um, And if you know someone who's doing something cool with hockey and, you know, is in California, you can email us and tell us about it. The email is chirp at thanksbud. You can email us there, or you can go to our contact page on the site and find us that way. And we want to know about people you know, or yourselves, if you have a cool story, and we want to talk to you about it. So uh, keep that in mind. Yeah,
0: let's all let's all hang out and talk hockey. I want to hang out with people. Yeah, that's,
1: that's really what we're going for, is hanging out with people who want to talk to us about hockey and whatnot. But uh, other than that, take care of yourselves. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, as always, for listening. Catch you later, guys.
0: Bye, friends.